Unlocking Your World of Creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Mark introduces you to some of the world's leading creative talent from publishing, film, music, restaurants, medical research, and more. You'll discover how to tap into your most original thinking, how to organize your ideas, and most of all, how to make the connections and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity. Hello again, friends, and welcome back to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And today, our creativity, we're going to talk about the news. We're going to talk about community involvement. We're going to talk about what it takes to become an internet sensation. From a news anchor, my guest today is Idaho's leading news anchor for many, many years. And he's just announced his retirement coming up at the end of the year. I'm so glad to have Mark Johnson on the program. Mark, welcome. Thanks for having me, Mark. Uh, I love your podcast. It's inspirational. It's fun. And I have no idea why I'm on today. (laughs) Well, for one, uh, there was another MJ who had a last dance a few years ago and they made an ESPN special. Is that this kind of MJ last dance I think we're talking about? Are you on the farewell tour after uh, being on the news for, you know, decades? Yeah. You know, 41 years in the business, Mark, uh, 30 all told here in Boise, Idaho, 25 continuous, and it's time to hang it up. Are you looking for a co-host? <laughs> we may we may be looking at that. Okay. Listeners, you hear it here first. <laughs> Actually, it's funny you brought up the other MJ because I almost got fired when I was working in Milwaukee, Wisconsin as a sports guy back uh, in the day. I decided to take a Monday off and go play golf. And I didn't have my pager. Remember those days? Mm-hmm. Didn't have my pager on. And I decided to ask the sports director that I was working with to go play with me. And he didn't bring his pager. Well, all of a sudden that morning, Michael Jordan decides to announce his retirement. He has a gigantic <laughs> press conference in Chicago, only about 60 miles away from where we were playing golf. Right. And the news director at the station says, where is all of my freaking sports guys? I need to go cover this. And we were nowhere to be found. He was hell-bent set on firing us when we got back to the station. He, he would have reason. Yes, <laughs> Channel 12 was left a little flat-footed on that one. <laughs> I'm, I missed Michael Jordan's retirement because I didn't have my pager. <laughs> there you go. Well, I think uh, with that, Mark, you know, a career that begins in the Reagan administration, <laughs> you know, and sports in news later. But I think a lot of people think about news and journalists as, you know, hey, you, you read the facts, you report the facts. Where's the creativity in journalism? What do you have to do to approach the news a little bit more creatively and stand apart in this business? That's a great question. And it's something that I really, really hit hard with our producers, our younger producers, especially because coming out of journalism school, rewriting press releases, doing a lot of newspaper writing is a different animal than what reporting the news on TV is, right? Because we've got on any given late night newscast, the 10 o'clock show, we've got 35 minutes. And of that 35 minutes, when you factor in the local weather and the local sports and the commercials, that's only about 13 to 14 minutes of actual news content that you can tell 
the record of the day on the late show before everyone turns in or watches the monologue from the late night comics, you've got 14 minutes to give them the headlines and the stories of the day. So creativity is key in this business to being able to no matter what it is, whether it's COVID, whether it's the latest political issue, you know, the political unrest, whatever it is, you've got to be able to tell that in a creative way, giving the information, but at the same time, not acting like you're an anchorman reading a teleprompter that is the newspaper. Mm -hmm. And the stations and the anchors and the producers and the writers that get that are the ones that have longevity in this business, because those are the ones that are going to be able to get viewers to say, oh, okay, they told me that story a completely different way than the way I read it this morning in the newspaper or the way I heard it today on talk radio. And that is key. Mm -hmm. And I think some people might interpret or misinterpret my question even as spin. Now, I'm not talking about how can you put a creative spin on no. the news, but how, how you can present it in a way that you know, people can connect to. Well, and so many of the things that are coming out of Washington kind of wash over people, right? I mean, this big infrastructure package uh, that, uh, that they're wrestling with right now, that, that washes over people. You start talking about $3 trillion and it, it doesn't hit home. But all of a sudden you say, okay, $550 million of that is going to come into your region to fix the bridges and the roads, the Rainbow Bridge on the way for folks that know this area, Highway 55 between Boise and McCall is a very popular stretch. McCall is a very popular resort town. And in the summertime, that road is windy and the old Rainbow Bridge, the iconic bridge there is crumbling. And that is a very important artery in our state. A lot of that money is gonna come and fix that road. It's gonna make that way more passable and a lot safer. And all of a sudden you go, oh, okay, you're bringing it to me. So mm -hmm. this is a Washington thing happening a world away, but it affects me. And so that's what I also try to do is make sure that every story has a local hook to it so that the folks watching in Boise, Idaho or Waterloo, Iowa, you know, or Bismarck, North Dakota, they feel like what's happening there, not even close to my hometown, really is happening right here. That's what we try to do. Mm -hmm. And you've had a front seat at many of these kind of national and, and international uh, events. Yeah, well, and they range from the dramatic, you know, 9-11s, but also Super Bowls and Olympics and events like this. And you've been, uh, you're saying to translate that or connect that to a local uh, interpretation or meaning? Well, the Olympics is a great example, Mark, because I've covered six of them. And people at home watching the Olympics on NBC, they're going to get the Michael Phelps story. They're going to get the Simone Biles story, right? They're going to get the big story that has nationwide or worldwide appeal. But what about that for the viewers in, in Boise? Well, a great example is we had a archer from Athol, Idaho, tiny Athol, Idaho, in eastern Idaho. Nobody's ever heard of it. And she was an archer in the Olympics. 
She wasn't going to get coverage on NBC. She wasn't going to get coverage on Sports Illustrated. We went to her event at the Olympics. She's still an Olympian. She marches in opening ceremonies. She marches in closing ceremonies. She is representing the state of Idaho. You're not going to get that anywhere else. So in the six Olympics we covered, we focused on our local athletes. And in the winter games, obviously, Idaho is always going to have a dozen local athletes. The summer games, it's usually four to ten, uh, including Dan O'Brien. Uh, but that is what our focus was for that. And then we use that in everything we did, whether I went to the Super Bowl with it, when I was in Pittsburgh and in uh, 1996 or the Fiesta Bowl when Boise State went. Those are way more than sporting events for the people watching, right? I mean, it's a game that the local team is in and it's a very high profile game, but all of the stories surrounding that are community building opportunities for local media companies to give a sense of pride for the folks back home watching on what that really means. And it's way more than just an athletic event. Mm -hmm. And you bring up this community connection. And I really wanted to make sure we uh, went to the second part of the story, Mark. And that is, you know, you're not only reporting the news, but you're getting involved in the community, uh, you know, as, as a local fixture with people like Boys and Girls Club and Dress for Success and so many other foundations you've had a chance to work with. I have. And, you know, I always like to say news doing the news is my heart, but community service is my soul. As you know, Boise, Idaho has been in the news for a lot of negative reasons in the last two or three decades. Mm -hmm. Idaho has had a stain on it, quite frankly, uh, for some of the radical racial idiots and bigots that, uh, that have chosen to come here for whatever the reason. I feel like those stories give a megaphone to a very small percentage of the people who live here. Unfortunately, sometimes the smallest numbers make the biggest noise. And so I think it's kind of unfair that we do have that stain on us. But regardless, we had some issues involving the Anne Frank Memorial in Boise, the only Anne Frank Memorial in the nation. Uh, there were signs of hate that were painted and pasted on, on there. And so I, as a board member of the Wasmus Center for Human Rights, uh, chose that moment to speak out against that. So my community involvement is tied into the fact that I have a megaphone too, in a lapel microphone that I wear every night. And I sometimes feel like mine can be louder and the tiny, tiny minority that is getting a message of hate out there, I feel like I have an opportunity to drown that out. And so I've used that not only with that, but also with the kids at the Boys and Girls Club and Big Brothers and Big Sisters. And I really try to try to dive into that because as you know, you, you make your community stronger through the nonprofits that in turn make the community stronger through kids organizations, families, as you know, my wife, Chrissy, she's a big time women and children's advocate, and she, uh, she donates a proceed of her wares, uh, selling jewelry to the local nonprofits. And so, yeah, we've really made that a big part of what we do. Mm -hmm. 
And I guess the local anchor, you know, in any market has a chance to really be a community member and not just sort of local TV star. Hairspray. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> exactly. The guy, that, the guy that wears makeup to work. Yeah. That guy. That guy. Yeah, you're right. And I have been able, fortunately, to use that little soapbox. And it's kind of nice that the nonprofits do come to me and say, like Special Olympics, for example, they've got their biggest fundraiser of the year coming up. And they've asked me if I would help promote that and kind of raise the volume on that a little bit. And so I'm able to get the local celebrities from the Boise Boys on the HGTV show, get those guys going. As you know, one of the guys on that show has adopted a number of special needs kids. And so he is very, very much a part of that whole event. So I'm going to bring him in on the show. And those are opportunities that I have right now. Don't know if I'm going to have those opportunities after the first of the year. <laughs> yeah, well, you carpe diem a little bit. But, but you know, thinking of seeing Luke riding around town on his uh, moped and seeing him at the coffee shop. And you are a neighbor to many of these people, not just the local news guy. But I was curious, have you ever felt conflicted or have you ever found a maybe a clash of interest, you know, somebody you really know, but then there's also a news story that needs to be told. Have you ever felt the internal tug? Yeah, I have actually. And in fact, the latest example just came up. I've got a, a very good friend who is running for Boise City Council. And he's a, he's a very close personal friend. And he said, my campaign wants you to do a video for me to promote the fact that I'm a good dad, I'm a good guy, I'm a terrible golfer, but I'm really good and I'll be that. And I said, I can't, I, I can't do that. I said, are you kidding me? If I took a stance on anything, whether it's a proposition, an initiative, a candidate, I would be out the door tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, so I don't know if I was conflicted, but you know, I, I won't be able to do that for another three months. Yeah. But yeah, it does come up where in my mind, I'm saying this is wrong. This is ridiculous. This should not be happening. And that's happened a lot in the last, let's say five years, where you want to speak out against something that you think is really wrong and should not be reported or promoted. But at the same time, your job is to, is to tell people again, the record of the day and what's happening, whether it's here or Washington or Texas mm -hmm. or wherever, you've got to report that stuff. And it's not like you can say, here's something that is unbelievably ridiculous. Listen to this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you, even though you want to say that, you can't. Yes. And so sometimes you have to be an actor and, and, and go right down the middle. Just, just give it to me straight. Yeah, exactly. But I think a lot of listeners might be surprised to hear you say that, you know, as a journalist, because the news business is not what it used to be. And there's a, right. plenty of people out there who aren't just giving it to you straight, left or right. Sure. Uh, and that's, what, uh, what appears to be news is often opinion. Right. You see that more on the cable side. Mm -hmm. Local news is a different animal than that. People always confuse the local NBC with MSNBC. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will come up to me. Well, not a lot of people, but there are people that come up to me and, and they will say, oh, you guys are so liberal, liberal journalists. And I'll, I'll say, well, why do you say that? 
well, you've got Rachel Maddow on your show. And it, and I'll say, no, wait a second. We're the local NBC affiliate. We are KTVB, owned by Tegna, which is not owned by NBC. Mm-hmm. We only rebroadcast NBC's network signal. We have nothing to do with MSNBC. For me to be conservative or liberal would show colors that would turn advertisers who don't believe in whichever side off that would cost the station money and it would cost me my job so there's no way i on local tv news level you can sway anywhere outside of the center line it is certainly serious business but there is a glimmer of fun every now and then mark we we would be remiss we can't talk to mark johnson (laughs) without talking about the internet sensation we just simply call mark johnson (laughs) And here's what Stephen Colbert had to say about Mark Johnson. Now, arguably, the biggest news on Earth is a headline that has consumed the Internet for the past 48 hours. I'm not making any of this up. On Tuesday, news station KTVB in Boise, Idaho, Boise's news leader, home of the fighting tater tots, tweeted this picture of one of their anchors, Mark Johnson, along with a link to his bio and a caption that just said, Mark Johnson. This is the most confusing news alert since Truman beat Dewey and the Chicago Trib ran the headline, Mark Johnson. (laughs) This tweet, which again, just said, Mark Johnson, went absolutely viral. Everyone was talking about it from USA Today to Newsweek to the Today Show who asked, who is Mark Johnson? And why did his TV station tweet his name? It's official. We've been stuck in our houses for too long. Oh my God, honey, get over here. A man on the internet has a name. Spoiler, it's not an interesting one. Everyone is talking about Mark Johnson, even the number one source of Mark Johnson news, Mark Johnson. Something happened last night and continued into today that has kind of, well, consumed me. And I have to tell you, it's something I don't fully understand, but basically, I updated my bio on our website yesterday with new information about my new grandbaby, twins going to college, other things. Our web team posted it online, which was blasted onto our company Twitter account with no context on why it was up online other than my name, Mark Johnson. Mark Johnson is reporting on Mark Johnson. The story is becoming a Mark eating its own Johnson. (laughs) But Johnson had a takeaway from this whole experience. After everything we have all been through in this past year, and with so many looking for even a momentary diversion and little levity from the daily grind, if this little Twitter event provided that, then I guess I can chuckle along with everyone else at my expense. Some people might say that after a difficult year of pain and loss, it was Mark Johnson, who finally gave the world a reason to smile. Some are suggesting Mark Johnson should be showered with praise and monetary rewards and perhaps even some sort of Mark Johnson-themed national holiday. Who am I to say? Just beloved hero, Mark, Mark Johnson, Johnson. And now before we go, we've got one more Earth fact. Mark Johnson. Ah, that! You're welcome, Mark Johnson. Mark, well, well, okay, we've heard the uh, story. And we also know you tried to throw your daughters under the bus. 
Which, I did. Uh, knowing your daughters, I'm not going to take it for one minute. What what goes down? What goes through your mind? What goes through your colleagues' minds? <laughs> Absolutely nothing, Mark. That um, the night that that really popped, I was having a glass of wine at 11 o'clock at night, getting ready to turn in, and I got a text from a colleague at work who said, "This is blowing up." And before you go to bed, all you have to do is get on your Twitter and just write this down, hashtag Mark Johnson. And I said, why? What? Huh? And he said, just do it. Well, I didn't know that tens of thousands, maybe more, were saying we're waiting for Mark Johnson to speak. We're waiting to hear from Mark Johnson. And people were like, we're not going to bed. We're staying up all night until we hear from Mark Johnson. So when I did that, I went to bed, got up in the morning, and the spike hit after after that went out. And I still don't really understand it. Mm -hmm. But when I responded in that way, the internet went, our Savior is here. He has spoken. (laughs) So there's a lot, (laughs) there's a lot of, uh, shall we call them millennials that had to explain to me exactly what was, what was transpiring, what was happening. And uh, again, it was, it was all in good fun. It was a moment of levity and it was a diversion from the, uh, like I said, in that, uh, in that standup, it was a moment of diversion in a, a time when the Derek Chauvin thing was going on and there was all this COVID news and it was, uh, grim and destruction and Middle East was exploding. And all of a sudden here was this completely random thing and it just went crazy. And isn't life like that? Just when you think all the news is bad. <laughs> you know, it got me thinking though, and it's perfect for your podcast too, because you think about companies out there that spend millions of dollars marketing and millions of dollars doing PR that is very well thought out and organized and contemplative. And, you know, it takes weeks and months to figure that out, hoping to get a pop, some traction. And all of a sudden, some web producer in Boise, Idaho posts the hairsprayed anchor man with no context and just Mark Johnson. And boom, it, it's the number two most viral thing in the nation for a day and a half. Mm -hmm. Makes no sense. No, it doesn't. Well, Mark, let's talk to the future a moment. Two pieces of the future. Let's talk to yours first. Where do you go from here, Mark, on December, well, 24th? You know, you could be around the Christmas tree, perhaps. But on January 2nd, when you're supposed to back out of the driveway and go back to the station, what's going to (laughs) happen? You know, that's a great question, Mark. And uh, there's a little anxiety there in it for me because uh, I haven't really planned that out yet as well as I should have. Uh, I do have a couple of options. I, I won't be uh, I won't be coy. I've got some options and and uh, there's a lot of people in this town that apparently aren't repulsed by me. So they have approached me. And and, uh, I know for one thing, I will continue my nonprofit work. I do know that I will continue to help out the nonprofits here that that I've had a a long standing relationship with. So that that won't change much. 
I won't have the vehicle that I had before for the on-air promotion, but there's always social media. And, and I know all the reporters and the, the news team there that I think that if I do have a good news story involving local nonprofits, I, I can still get that on TV. But yeah, I have two daughters in college, as you know, so I still kind of need to pay the rent and yeah. the tuition. So, so the lemonade stand might be a little too low on the income. <laughs> and my golf game isn't good yeah, enough. Yeah, driving the cart around on the golf course may not cut it. It's not good enough to sustain that. But there are so many opportunities in, in this city, in this region. The development companies, that could be an option. There are some lobbying groups here in town that kind of asked if I might consider doing a little lobbying. And then we also have a golf tournament on the Corn Ferry Tour on the PGA. That is run by an organization that I respect and adore. And I could see doing something with them. But for the most part, you know what I'm going to do? Uh, well, what I'm not going to do, Mark, is I'm not going to have three deadlines every single day, five <laughs> days a week. That's one thing I'm not going to have. Yes, I love that. And what about then the, the future of the news business, Mark? How do you see things over the horizon as we're developing journalists? Is it a content creator? Is it a yeah. internet self-reporting? Call it the citizen journalist now. Right. What's the future of a journalist? Well, let me let me turn that question around and ask you when you're at home on a on a weeknight, how many nights a week will you sit down and watch the news live at either six or 10 o'clock? How many nights a week are you in front of the TV or have it on at six or 10 o'clock Monday through Friday? Well, to be honest, it's probably on the DVR. It's probably right. not live. So right. exactly. uh, I, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say none. Yeah, you are not alone in that. And the younger audience is the same way. They are consuming their news on, on the phone. Mm -hmm. They are consuming their news on the computer, quite frankly. And so for them to sit down and watch a, a live newscast at 6 and 10, it's not happening with the regularity that it did 10, 20, 30 years ago, obviously. Mm -hmm. So future of the news business is quite frankly in the digital world it is online it is videos that are sent directly to your phone and, and you can consume it and it is monetizable but at the same time you do still have it on your dvr knowing that you can go to it at any time because you come home and your next door neighbor says, did you see what happened last night at 10 o'clock? And you say, no, I didn't see it. Oh, gosh, you should look at that first block of news. Oh, I just can't believe it. And you go, okay, I'm going to go back and watch it now. That's, that's the way it's being consumed. And that is the future. I'm 65 years old. I grew up with my family watching news, as you did, live. It was on in the dinner hour at six o'clock, and then we didn't go to bed until, well, after Johnny Carson, but we would watch the news at 10 o'clock. That's not the case anymore. And that brings us all the way around back to creativity, doesn't it? We've got to look at things a little bit differently. Yeah, we really do. And gosh, more than ever, we have to be creative. You know, I tell our sports guys, uh, we've got two really vibrant, creative, energetic uh, guys that do sports and coming from that world, 
you know, I'll, I'll say to them, hey, what's, what's on your show tonight? Oh, you know, not a lot. We've got a 30-second highlight of this soccer game between two local high schools. And I go, okay, what's the story there? Oh, well, the Boise High team is undefeated. And in fact, they've won the last 14 games in a row. And they're playing a team that hasn't won a game this year. Okay. And what's the end of the story? Well, Mark, it's just a 30-second highlight clip. And I say, no, doesn't matter. Every single thing you do has a story. It has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. If it's 30 seconds, I want to hear this was the battle of Titan be between Davy and Goliath. And then Davy came up and tied it at halftime. And then in the end, Goliath won. But look at the girls hugging at the end of the game. And, you know, great. And so now you've got a story. And, and even if you're not affiliated with those two teams, you kind of got wrapped up in that little 30-second story. So that's what the business has come to now. Every single thing you tell has to have a story. The COVID numbers that I read every night, I tell our producers, what is the story behind these numbers? Mm -hmm. Well, it's the highest hospitalizations that the state has ever seen. There's one ICU bed left in the state. So it's not, I'm telling you, 76 ICUs around the state are occupied. That doesn't mean anything. 76 out of 77 ICU beds occupied. Now you've told me something. Now you've told me a story with context, unlike the <laughs> Now you've given me context. 1,700 positive cases statewide. That's the most since last December when it spiked. And that's the most since the vaccination was released. Okay, now you've told me a story. Every single thing that you do has to give me context and give me relevance in terms of what that means in my life. And that is where every single new producer or old producer or old anchor has to direct their, their focus and their direction. Yeah. And I have a sense that that's across platforms. So that might be on air. That might be on your phone. Completely in every web story that we produce, you know, it, it has to be that way because otherwise you're out. You you read the first line of the story about COVID and it says 1,700 new cases uh, discovered today, 77 ICU beds occupied, you're out. Mm -hmm. Instead of the numbers we're about to print will shock you. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm in. Why will they shock me? Well, because they're record breaking. And so, yeah, that's, that's it across the board. Phone, uh, laptop, television, podcasts. We're starting to do podcasts now. You have to be everything and everywhere now because the legacy product that we call the legacy product, the 55-inch television that's on your wall, <laughs> all of a sudden, that is not the most used screen in your house. <laughs> your your <laughs> six-inch phone is used more as your screen than your 55-inch flat-screen TV that is hooked up to your surround sound. I love it. So we got to be there. Well, listeners, my guest has been Mark Johnson, the leading news anchor in Idaho. We really appreciate you being on the program. Well, I love your podcast, Mark. I, I listen to it. It never fails to inspire me creativity-wise. 
thanks for doing what you're doing. I appreciate yeah, you. It's a lot of fun. And listeners to pick up on Mark's point, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end to this story too. The beginning is in Cape Girardeau back in the early 80s. Uh, Homer Rush Limbaugh. Oh, <laughs> and as uh, to paraphrase Stephen Colbert, probably home of the fighting, what, Mississippi barges or uh, something. <laughs> Yes. But in uh, the middle, of course, is a great career. And I would say there's an end, but there's there may be a sign off on air, but there's no end to the impact I know you'll continue to make in our community. So we appreciate that. Thanks again, Mark. It's been fun. And listeners, come back again for our next episode. We're going to continue our around the world journey. We've been to Ho Chi Minh, Vietnam. We've been to Johannesburg, South Africa. And today we're in Boise, Idaho. Who knows where we're going to take off to tomorrow? Because we're talking to creative practitioners all over the world about how they get inspired, how they organize their ideas, and most of all, creating the confidence and the connections they need to launch their work out into the world. So until next time, I'm Mark Stenson, and we're unlocking your world of creativity. See you soon. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and ThePeaceRoom.Love. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only $0.99. Cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer. Our podcast is supported by Adobe in the Adobe Creative Cloud, the world's best creative app and services. So you can make almost anything you can imagine wherever you're inspired. We use Adobe to help make this podcast using Audition, Premiere Rush, InDesign, and more. So join the creative community with the Adobe Creative Cloud and let's make something better unlocking your world of creativity.